I heard a joke about this airplane that was about to crash. There were four passengers, but only three parachutes. The first passenger said, I am a leading heart surgeon. My patients need me. He grabbed the first parachute and jumped. The second passenger said, Well, not to be rude, but I am a rocket scientist. I'm one of the smartest men in the world. My country needs me. He took the second parachute and jumped. The third passenger was an elderly minister. He said to the fourth passenger, a ten-year-old boy scout, Son, I'm old and frail. You take the last parachute. The boy scout said, That's okay, sir. There's still two parachutes left. The world's smartest man just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> Here's the point. The victories that you achieve don't always come to you exactly how you expect them to come. Hi, I'm Randall Sims, and this is my podcast. Jesus, the Christ, at the cross of Calvary, purchased eternal life for you and for me. Life more abundant. That life has already begun, so why wait until the afterlife to live that life to the fullest? Welcome to the most impatient Christian podcast in the entire world. This is Christ Life Now. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good what have you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so glad to be able to, hey, privileged to be able to bring you the Word of God. I hope this brings a happy spot into your day and maybe even says something that changes your life forever. In addition to being grateful that you're listening, thank you so much for helping to financially support this ministry. Thank you for sharing, for telling your friends about it. And also, a reminder, don't forget, we do have a Facebook group. All right, let's get into the lesson. Our main scripture passage today is from 2 Kings chapter 7. But before we go there, let me read to you from Isaiah 55, 9. In this scripture, God tells us, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How true is that? Now, as long as my children live at home with me, they will always have a roof over their heads, food to nourish them, and clothing to wear. All they need to do to have those provisions is to simply trust my wife and me to provide those things, and then just, well, sit back and receive them. Now, of course, they have to cooperate. They'll have to ensure that the clothes that we provide are washed and placed in their closets, for example. And they have to be cooperative in taking the Raymond noodles from the pantry to the microwave. Ultimately, though, they don't have to concern themselves with how their needs are met. You see, theirs is the receiving. The how is mine. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Today, I want to talk to you about... The how is his. Cue the spooky music and the wavy lines. I'm going to flash back to 2009. 2009 was an interesting year. It was a year when a big recession hit our country. And through no fault of my own, I was laid off from my long-term job. I had been with the company for six years. And I had worked my way all the way up from a night manager to a corporate vice president. One morning, I went into the office and I was told that due to financial reasons, they were laying me off which was a nice way of saying, we can no longer afford you, please leave now, let me accompany you to the elevator. Sure, I was the primary breadwinner of our home and we depended on my income to meet the financial needs of the family and sure, the economy was at the lowest point that it had been at during my entire adult life and decent jobs were scarce 
And sure, I had a wife and six children to feed. And sure, we were also kicked out of the company-provided home that we had been living in for the last six years where all of our utilities were paid. Do you think that I just about lost my mind with worry? No. I did not. Why? Because I'm so awesome that I don't need money to survive. Well, no, actually, that's not true. The reason that I didn't get bent out of shape about being put into that situation was that I am a kid of the king. I believed that my father, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, was going to take care of the needs of me and the needs of my family. How, you might ask, was he going to take care of you if you weren't working? Well, I didn't know. In fact, I went to where my wife Diane was working and I informed her that I'd been laid off. Once I convinced her that I wasn't playing some sort of lame, cruel joke on her, I told her, it's going to be okay. God is going to take care of us. Now, I didn't know how he was going to do it. I just knew that he was going to do it. And guess what? He did it. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Remember, all things work together for the good. You know the rest of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. In other words, me. Me, me. Losing that job was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I got to stay home and be a house husband. I learned how to make roast, y'all. I got to homeschool my kids for a year and a half. What a blessing. No, seriously. My youngest was only six years old, and he was probably the only kid in the entire county who was taking French as one of his classes. The oldest two, the twins, still talk about how much they learned that year. Wonderful memories. Sure, we had to be frugal in some areas, and I confess I did develop an addiction during that time. An addiction to coupons. I saved a ton of money. Don't laugh. The struggle is real. There should be an anonymous group for that. Hi, my name is Randall, and I know exactly how many times you can self-scan the same coupon at Winn-Dixie without having to call a manager to do a manual override. God took care of us, though. Diane started getting raise after raise at her job. The government kept extending my unemployment benefits. At the end of the unemployment period, believe it or not, we had purchased a new home. And we were under contract to buy a second home for my mother-in-law to live in. And by the time that I got my next job, which was the best job that I had ever had, at the end of my unemployment, we had the same amount of money still in savings as we had originally had when I first got laid off. Now, how did that happen? Well, truthfully, I don't know. But God does. You see, the how was all him. I just had to receive and cooperate. In the book of 2 Kings, the scripture tells us that a time of great famine had fallen on the city. People had resorted to eating dove's dung, which is a kind of wild plant, and <laughs> don't get excited, and donkey heads, which is, well, heads of donkeys, and even their own children. Hey mom, what's for dinner? <laughs> Aren't you just adorable? I could just eat you up. Then, Elisha, a prophet of God said, Hear the words of the Lord. Here's what God says. Tomorrow, about this time, a measure of fine flour will sell for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. In other words, at this time tomorrow, there will be so much food available that market deflation will occur and you'll be able to buy it on the cheap. Then, 
the king's most trusted captain replied to Elisha and said, Even if the Lord opens of the windows of heaven, how is that going to happen? Elisha told him, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now, Elisha was a tried and proven man of God, a sure enough prophet. He had healed leprosy, cursed someone and gave them leprosy for being sneaky and greedy. He had cursed some young men who were being disrespectful to him for being bald and caused a bunch of bears to rip them to shreds. No, seriously, he did. In fact, I found a coloring book page of that scene a few years ago, and I gave it to the lady who was in charge of children's ministries at our church back then, and I told her that she could use that in the children's church if she wanted to, but she didn't think that we ought to use that in the children's church for some reason. Anyway, and also, Elisha had even parted the water so that he could cross on dry land. Now, some of you are thinking, I just made a mistake. He's thinking about Moses. (laughs) Yeah, well, okay, Moses did part the water, but so did Elisha. In fact, so did Elijah at one point. Charlton Heston didn't teach you that one, did he? Even though there was no reason why this captain should doubt Elisha's word, he did. He doubted. So, all that being considered and even well known, there was no reason for this captain to doubt Elisha's word. But, for some reason, he doubted. Elisha wasn't some self-proclaimed prophet who goes from church to church looking into an audience of 300 people and saying, there's someone here with a back problem. Well, you think? I mean, out of 300 people? No. Elisha was proven. He was a true prophet of God. Elisha was a leprosy-healing, water-parting bear whisperer. Why doubt the man? But the captain did. Worse yet, he spoke his doubt. Even worse yet, He spoke his doubt where Elisha could hear. We really don't know how this guy ever got to be a captain. Why do we so often act like the doubting captain acted? Even when a man of God tells us it's going to be okay, we allow doubt to enter in. Even when the Holy Spirit tries to comfort us, we refuse to embrace the righteousness, peace, and joy that are available to us. And even when the Word of God tells us not to worry, we find reasons why it's probably not referring to my situation. It couldn't be for me. It never is. I have got a great idea. How about if we all together as a unified body of believers make a decision right here today to start trusting our Heavenly Father? How about the next time we face a situation that's too big for us to handle, we say, Father, in Jesus' name, I know that you're going to fix this for me. I don't know how, but that's not my job to know how. The how is all yours, Lord. I'm not going to worry I'm not going to stress. This very moment, I am turning this thing over to you. If you need me to do anything, cooperate or help out, just let me know. I'm available. Otherwise, though, I ain't going to stress it. Now, that's not meant to be flippant or disrespectful, but I have implemented this strategy in my personal life, and I have to tell you, it's never failed me yet. It's my stress management technique. Now, it's not a new age kind of positive thinking Hakuna Matata deal. It's simply having faith that God is who he says he is, that God can and will do what his word says he can and will do. And it's all ratified by the fact that he loves me and wants what's best for me. So, back to our story. Meanwhile, there were four men who were lepers hanging out at the entrance of the city's gate, and they said to one another, Why are we just sitting here waiting to die of starvation? If we enter the city, 
The famine is there and we'll die there. But if we sit here, the same scenario, we'll die here also. So they decided, let's go over to the army camp of the Syrians, who were their enemies. If they spare our lives and feed us, we'll live. And if they kill us, which we understand is a distinct possibility, we shall but die. In other words, we could stay here at the gate where we're safe and starve to death, or we can go into the city where we're relatively safe and starve to death, or, and bear with me on this, we could walk over to the army base of our dreaded enemies, the Syrians, and see how that goes. After all, what's the worst that could happen? They kill us? Well, they're going to have to do better than that. Second Kings 7 and 5 says, So they arose, the lepers arose, in the twilight. Now underline that. It's going to be important later. And went into the Syrian camp. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no man was there. It was deserted, empty. The scripture says no man was there. Like a Sunday night service on Super Bowl Sunday, no man was there. They arose and went. When did they arise and went um, and go? Right, in the twilight. Remember that because 2 Kings 7, 6 through 7 says this, for the Lord had made the Syrian army hear a noise of chariots and horses the noise of a great army. They had said to one another, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to come upon us. So the Syrians arose and fled. And then there are three words. It tells us when they fled. It says they fled in the twilight. They fled in the twilight and left their tents, horses, donkeys, and even the camp as it was and fled for their lives. So when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothing and went and hid them in the darkness. Then they entered another tent and carried goods out of it also and went and hid them. Then they decided that they weren't doing right. They said, this is a day of glad good news. We better speak up or we're going to be in trouble come morning. We better tell the king's household. So a brief recap. Remember, God had spoken via Elisha that there would be food aplenty the next day. Everyone agree that we should believe what God says? Amen, brother. Now, no one knew how God would cause this to happen, especially the doubting captain. Let's keep in mind before we go too far that the God of then is the same God of now. He's the kind of God who cleanses lepers, the kind of God who can cause losing a great job to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. And he's the kind of God who can cause an entire battalion of enemy forces to flee in terror because they believe they hear the sound of dangerous armies coming their way, when in reality, the only thing coming their way in the twilight when they fled were four destitute, starving, half-suicidal lepers. Now that's the kind of God we serve. If God can get that kind of effect from four lepers whose best hope for success is to be captured and kept as a fed prisoner, what kind of results do you think he can get when a bunch of born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled children of the Most High God, fully clothed in the whole armor of God, start lifting up the banner of righteousness and marching boldly towards the enemy's camp? What kind of 
results do you think he can get then? And all the way there, we're singing, enough is enough. I'm coming to get my stuff. I'm taking back what the devil stole from me. It's a great song, Karen Wheaton on YouTube. Now, don't be dismayed. There will always be doubters. Some will be friends and some will be neighbors. Some will be enemies and some will be respected captains from your own church or uh, kingdom. Did I say church? <laughs> so the lepers went back to the city and they called out to the gatekeepers of the city. They told them, we came to the camp of the Syrians and there was nobody there, not a soul, only horses and donkeys tied, tents and gold and silver and food. The gatekeepers, of course, called out to everyone and told them about the food, including the king. But the king was suspicious. He said, I will tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry, and so they've left the camp to hide themselves in the open country so that when we come out of the city, they're going to attack us. So the king sent some people to check it out, and all the way there, they kept finding clothing and equipment that the Syrians had cast away during their sudden evacuation. And the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians, and guess what happened? That day, in the city, a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, as the Lord had spoken through Elisha. And the captain, you know, the one who doubted what Elisha had prophesied? Well, the starving people trampled him at the gate of the city as they struggled to get through for food, and he died. Just as Elisha had foretold, the doubting captain had seen the food become available and plenteous, but he didn't get to taste any of it. And don't take this the wrong way, but when we, God's people, get hungry enough for the bread that the Lord has set us up to receive, when we get to the point of hunger where we would rather risk dying in an enemy's prison than to accept dying laying around in our comfort zone, accomplishing nothing. When we arrive at the realization that we've been barely nourished for way too long on old bony donkey heads, and we determine that we've put up with quite enough of the devil's dung, well, Dung. When we stop trying to figure out how God's going to keep his promises to us and just start trusting that God is going to keep his promises, that's when we get our breakthrough. That's when we become truly victorious. That's when revival comes into our lives, our church, and our city. You see, it's not by works that victory comes. It's by our hunger. It's almost hard to wrap your mind around. You see, the greater the hunger, the greater the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, or the greater the provision of bread that you will receive. Are you just a little hungry? Okay, come and receive your wafer, your cracker from God. You can get down on all fours and be thankful for the breadcrumbs that fall from the master's table. Just a little hungry. How about this? Are you pretty hungry? Say that with me. Pretty hungry? Yeah? Well, great. The Holy Spirit has got five loaves and maybe two fishes for you. But let me put it to you this way. If you're not just a little hungry and you're not just pretty hungry, if you are starving this morning... Well, the amount of your hunger determines the amount of the outpouring. 
Forget crumbs and crackers and give the loaves and the fishes back to the Lord. Be cooperative and faithful and get ready to receive a multiplication miracle right now. Doubters, take care that you don't get trampled at the gate as the hungry ones begin to stampede for what Jesus has multiplied. Hey, are you hungry? Don't you doubt for one moment that God is able to do what he said he will do. Don't doubt for one moment that God will do what he said he will do. And don't even consider doubting that God wants to bless you and prosper you and pour out his spirit upon you like he never has before. Why? Because he's a good, good father. And here's the great thing. He is God. He is sovereign. He's the creator of the universe of all things. He can do or he could do anything that he wants to do. And it occurred to me a while back, he didn't have to be a good father. He didn't have to be a good God. He could have chosen to be a malevolent dictator who only created us to torture us. But he's not. He's good. And he's good because he chooses to be good. When difficult times occur, when you lose that thing that you thought was your reason to be, when it seems that there's no more hope, just believe that God is going to take care of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. How is he going to do it? I couldn't even begin to tell you. It's not my responsibility and it's not your responsibility to know how because the how is his. Amen. Do you receive it today? Hey, if you receive it, say it. Say, I receive it. People of God, let me remind you, there is a lost and hurting and dying world out there. Darkness is trying to take over. That's why we must be hostile towards the darkness. How do you get rid of darkness? You shine the light on it. What better light than the truth of God's word? Also, we must be aggressive in love. The scripture tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves and love God with all that we are. We're not talking about a passive kind of love. We're talking about a love that has legs, a love that has hands, and a love that has feet. Show somebody that you love them today. Until next time, be hostile towards darkness and aggressive in love for God and for one another. Stay belligerent, my friends. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.